you're not going to necessarily going to get a paid gig when you're a rookie and you don't have any credits on your resume. You might get an unpaid gig and you get to prove yourself for somebody who matters and you get to perform at a high standard because you know you're being judged by a top professional. And if you nail the assignment and you behave and you know how to say please and thank you and all of the normal stuff that's important in these situations, that's what can move your career forward. Hello, everybody. I am David DeRoche. I am the host of Select CT. This is a podcast talking about digital media careers in Connecticut. I have two great guests with me today. We have Derek Ambrosi. Derek's an eight-time Emmy Award-winning editor and producer. He's worked with HBO, Netflix, Comedy Central, Sundance Channel, MTV, and many others. He's done feature films, comedy specials, live sports broadcasts, music specials, His work really spans the gamut, and he's also a children's book author, if I may add. His book, If I Made a Movie, was published in 2011. Pretty cool. So, Derek, welcome to the Select CT Podcast. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. We also have another heavy hitter in the industry. He's Gary Cohen. Gary has also won his fair share of Emmys. He started Triple Threat TV in 2005, and his most recent work includes nine films for ESPN's 30 for 30 series, 10 episodes of MTV's True Life, and the MSNBC series Pot Barons of Colorado. Gary, thanks for joining us on Select CT. My pleasure, David. So Derek, I want to start with you. You've done a lot of work on music-related films and shows. You did a Kanye West special. You did John Lennon's 75th birthday show. You did a Kenny Rogers tribute. I think that was this year. And you've also done some comedy. You edited David Cross's 2016 special, Making America Great Again. And that same year, you did Louis Black's Black to the Future. I mean, that's some pretty awesome stuff you've been doing. But how did you get to where you are today? Tell me how you got your foot in the door in such a competitive industry. I guess there's two there's two stories. So if you go way back, um, when I was a kid, all I did, one day my dad brought home a video camera. And back then, like, you know, a video camera was the size of a suitcase. But uh, all I did was make videos, the movies. And like, that's all I wanted to do was invite kids over and we tried to make movies. And so I was super passionate about it uh, at a young age. And then um, when I got out of high school and did, you know, various jobs that were nowhere near this industry. Um, I ended up going to NYU film school and still, you know, in the summer I'm working at an ice cream shop or something. So it wasn't working out. And then I put two and two together. I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, and I put two and two together and realized the corporate headquarters of Avid which is the software that was being used to cut movies. It was like new at the time. Avid was only a couple of years old, but the corporate headquarters was uh, about a half hour from my house. So I wrote an email to Avid and asked about internship opportunities. Um, and they got back to me and I went in for an interview and they ended up offering me a paid internship, uh, which, you know, I was thrilled about. And I did that for a summer and basically updated their database and seeing names in their database, like James Cameron and, you know, George Lucas, I was like, Ooh, this feels a lot closer. That's to pretty cool. Where I want to be. And, um, so when I got back to New York for NYU, I ended up working at Avid in New York as a tech. So I'd go out and fix if somebody's edit system was broken, I'd go out and, and fix it. And, you know, it's a funny thing because, you know, you go back and it looks like a straight line. But at at the time, it doesn't feel that way. But like I was fixing somebody's computer 
and he and he and I just hit it off. And he said, you know, if you ever want a job, you know, as an editor or, or something, you know, along those lines, uh, give me a call. And it wasn't long after that I realized, you know, I don't really want to be a tech. I want to be a creative. And I called him and he true to his word, he gave me a job as an editor, like a, you know, a low level editor. But it was just me and him. And wow. he did advertising for Gray, Sachi and Sachi, J. Walter Thompson, like that. He was that guy. Mm. And I, you know, it just, I learned a lot from him and uh, putting in extra hours and all that stuff and, and, and learning, you know, just how to work with clients. That's a huge, huge part of it. And then fast forward that. So all of a sudden I'm an editor, you know, uh, making uh, like the least amount an editor can make. and. Um, I ended up going to Broadway video from that place because I was a lifelong SNL fan. So I kept trying to get closer to the things I was interested in. And, uh, I was only at Broadway video for a year. I ended up working at a company called Orbit, which cuts films and at Orbit. And this is, I'm wrapping it up. I promise at Orbit, um, down the hall, I was, well, I should say, I was doing a lot of sports editing at Orbit. Um, I, I had met CBS Sports uh, through Broadway Video. I ended up they ended up following me to Orbit. I ended up doing a lot of work with CBS Sports. And down the hall uh, was a director named David Kep, who is more known as a, a, a screenwriter because he did Jurassic Park and Spider Man and Panic Room and. War of the Worlds, Mission Impossible, and on and on and on. And uh, he was cutting a film. And as luck would have it, he just had a, a, a kid. He just had a baby. And he was putting feelers out to anybody who would cut together uh, the first year of his baby's life. Like for, his first, for the baby's first birthday, he wanted to put a little video together. And I said... Uh, you know, enthusiastically, yes, I would love to do that. And, you know, being me, you know, I wanted it to be the Ben-Hur of, you know, uh, baby videos. So I, you know, <laughs> pulled out all the stops and put as many effects in as <laughs> as humanly possible. And I just tried to make it great and make it emotional and, yeah, make, it, of course. and, and make it work. And this was, there was no money discussed. This was just something that somebody who I admired needed and it was an opportunity and I knew it was and this guy I just wanted to do the best I could for this guy and I did and I uh, impressed him enough that we became friends and when he said stay in touch I took that incredibly seriously and I kept him updated on everything that my career was doing and um, he was the one who gave me my first opportunity in film which was a uh, uh, premium rush. And uh, that's a cool story too, but I don't know if I, I've been yapping for too long. <laughs> well, that, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, you know, even though this was something you weren't going to get paid to do, you really went over and beyond the expectations and that probably made an impression. And I wonder, Gary, from your perspective, as somebody who hires interns on a regular basis, is that something you're looking for? Are you looking for interns who really are going to do more than the bare minimum and really sort of like ex exceed expectations? And I mean, it seems like that's that's the way that they would stand out, right? So 
Absolutely. And when I hear your story, Derek, I think of that, you know, first outreach to Avid. Um, first of all, Avid was a company that was up and coming. It's not as if you were reaching out to Apple today. You were reaching out to a company that what wasn't as well known and, you know, and probably didn't get as many inquiries. And it showed a resourcefulness and an ingenuity. It's like, wait a second, this is like a high school kid who found us, who wants to do something for nothing. Okay, we like that. You know, um, that's the way the you know the the you know the the other side of people, you know, the the employer side of of people perceive these outreaches. It's like, who is this that's reaching out to me? And if your outreach betrays, a, you know, a level of, you know, ingenuity and creativity and ambition, um, that's that makes you rise above the noise. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a, a, a global take I have on this is that I feel like our academic institutions don't do a great job of preparing people for the workplace, you know, and in our industry, you really need to be your own advocate. You need to be your own agent. You need to be your own corporation. And as you, you know, but you don't know that. All you know is you took a film class or five and you know how to edit or shoot or something. You're looking for a job and you have no idea how that works. And the answer is, you know, try and try and try and try and don't be afraid. And 98% of the answers are going to be no. But if you ask the questions, you're ahead in the game. And then the second thing that, you know, tell that jumps out in Derek's story about how he got where he is in the industry was when he made the baby video, um, because, you know, it's like you're not going to necessarily going to get a paid gig when you're a rookie and you don't have any credits on your resume. Um, you might get an unpaid gig and you get to prove yourself for somebody who matters and you get to perform at a high standard because, you know, you're being judged by a top professional. And if you get, you nail the assignment and you behave and you know how to say please and thank you and all of the normal stuff that's important in these situations, that's what can move your career forward. And, you know, I think it's super interesting that um, you, you know, you take this unpaid gig, you really put your heart and soul into it. But there's also like the flip side of that, which is um, I know in the creative industry, you know, I have a lot of friends in the creative industry and they often, you know, will get friends who reach out to them and say, hey, can you do this video for me? Or, hey, can you take these photos and just think that they would like to do it because, you know, it helps them get exposure or experience. So, you know, there's a level of, um, I guess, respect, self-respect you have, have to have for your own work um, to value it. Right. But at, at what point do you say to yourself, okay, I need to do this because I need the experience. And then at what point do you say, okay, I got to start charging some money. Right. And the, you'll know is the answer. And if you have to ask the question, you know, keep doing it and say yes. And don't worry about the money. Right. Um, right. You've just paid an awful lot of money to go to college for a long time. Probably maybe not. Maybe you're coming straight out. You know, you haven't done that, but you know, chances are that you've invested in your professional journey significantly now you need to really invest in the transition. This is the last step. And, you know, and, and again, Derek, when I hear your story, you know, the, the thing that I always hear in these, in these origin stories of how did my freelancing career start or how did my film career start, I always focus on that first step. When do you go from an outside amateur wannabe to an insider professional where, you know, yeah, you may be on the first step of the, the ladder towards, you know, where you want to go, 
but you're inside the club. It's it's not any different from joining a fraternity or the band or anything you that you're familiar with, the cheerleading society, whatever. You know, you're an outsider, you want to get on the inside. How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, maybe there's tryouts, maybe there's whatever. And then when you're on the inside, it's like, oh, it was easy. Now I know it's easy. Anybody could do it. Well, you don't know that when you're on the outside. And I feel like that's one of the issues that our academic institutions could do a better job on. But, you know, given that they don't, you know, the, the opportunity is for companies like mine to embrace internships, to invite young people in. You know, your, your sweat equity is, is the price of admission. You know, we, so, for example, we have a 90-day unpaid internship. And, um, and, you know, the people who are good at it, a lot of them, you know, get hired, um, some by us, some by other, indus- you know, other production companies in the industry. I know a lot of people. I introduce people. So that's a that's not an a not unusual path to getting from the outside of the circle to the inside of the circle. So Derek, you know, address that like getting into the inside of the circle, you know, obviously and you touched on this saying it was not a straight path. So were there any moments where you were like is this the path that I should be on? Like tell me sort of about any sort of struggles or or challenges you had getting into that circle. Yeah, yeah, I I think there's a lot there would be a lot there in that I think I kept you know, I could have had a career as a as a tech for Avid. You know, my boss is still there. I could have been that could have been my job and that could have been enough, but I think I kept I I just kept Everything felt like a stepping stone. I kept saying, look, if I'm on a stepping stone towards the path I want to be, that's fine. And, and, and I should say, too, the path that I wanted to be, I was, I was hoping to be a director. That's what I went to film school for. It's what I still want to be on. You know, that's the, still the, 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 the path I, want, I, I feel like I am on. Um, and I think that as soon as I realized, well, I don't want to be a tech, I, you know, I started to look around knowing I need to make a living and seeing if I could, uh, you know, uh, focus that a little bit more. Oh, okay. So if I could be an editor, that's way closer um, to where I want to get to. And then you look at what you're editing and I'm editing like a, a Florence Henderson Polydent commercial. And then you think, okay, well, this isn't exactly what I wanted to do, but it's, it's, it's paying the bills. And it, to me, it's, it's continuing to, chip away, you know, the rough edges to get to the shape you want to, to get your career in the shape you want it to be. And I, I mean, specific obstacles, uh, honestly, there's, there's too many to, to really think about it, but in the, in broad strokes, I would say it's understanding where you want to get to and making sure you're on a path to getting there. You know, Derek, you know, when you, when you talk about obstacles, I think there's really, you know, one obstacle that comes in many sizes and shapes and it's, and it's the answer. No. And, you know, and what happens is we are conditioned to get, you know, we, it sucks to hear no. And you hear no again and again and again. And the tendency is to give up and to stop trying and to be afraid to ask and so on and so forth. And that's exactly what, you know, what stymies you in your professional life. And it's no different for me. You know, I'm at a stage in my career where I'm not asking for jobs. I'm asking for millions of dollars for the films I want to make. And the answer is 98% of the time, the answer is no. And, you know, and learning not to take that personally and understanding that, 
you know, no's are stepping stones to yeses is an important part of the professional journey. And, you know, for a freelancer, for somebody whose business is finding their next gig, you know, you've got to get over that. You, you got to get yourself out there and you've got to get past that resistance to rejection um, or else you're just not going to get where you want to go. And um, it's, it's an important, you know, consideration that I don't think you learn, you know, until you're out of college and, you know, and in the workplace. Because, you know, when you're in school, you know, yeah, you might get rejected for admission to this college or that college, but you're not asking for entry into your social studies class or into, you know, this program or that program. So it's a whole new skill that I find needs to be learned, you know, in the professional world. I think, Gary, you made some really interesting points. Um, and, you know, just uh, thinking about an industry like this and the need for resilience um, is probably significant and probably more so than other industries. But it's probably good advice for anybody entering any sort of industry to just be resilient and keep plugging at it. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and just talk about Connecticut. So Gary, you touched on how higher education institutions could do a better job preparing students for the workforce. And I think, you know, at least from uh, from the, um, the perspective of Quinnipiac University and your University of Connecticut and probably other members of the Digital Media Connecticut uh, organization, you know, aware of the need that we could be doing a better job. And I think that's that is the purpose of internships, right? Is to give you it gives students that real world experience so that they are prepared once they graduate. So I'm wondering from the perspective of students, like students who might be curious about a career, but maybe they're intimidated by just sort of the the hurdles that they might have to to jump over to get to a successful place in a digital media career. Um I'll start with you, Derek. What, what sort of advice would you have for high school students or college students who, who are sort of on the fence about digital media careers, but they have some creativity, they have some curiosity, but you know maybe it's a little intimidating? What would you say to them? I would say there's a, there's a couple things that you're there at this time. There is no excuse to not have the technical knowledge to to tell the stories or or express yourself creatively, however you want. I mean, you the the amount of technology that's out there that is accessible to so many students is insane compared to, you know, two VCRs hooked up together, which is what I was doing when I was a kid. So the, the technical hurdle, like you should, you should have, you should be incredibly uh, proficient when it comes to whatever technical task might be asked of you. Then, you know, being able to, express your ideas creatively, that's something that you can work on by exposing yourself to situations where you're asked for creative ideas. That might be a while down the road. The first thing you might need to do is be doing runs to drop off media drives, or you might be doing runs to, you know, go get some chips or food or drinks for people, which again, I think it's, it, it's make sure, look, are you walking towards where you want to be. So it's not that appealing, you know, to think, oh, okay, I'm going to be uh, driving talent to set. But that might be what's needed at that point. And then the relationships that you can foster based on that, it could lead to much better opportunities down the road if you have in your arsenal everything that you need. So do you have creative ideas that you can express? Yes. Are you technically proficient in whatever you need to be technically proficient in? Yes. Great. Here's an opportunity. Now you get to show what you can do. So what I would say 
is throw your hat in the ring as many times as humanly possible. And the phrase that I use a lot is just put yourself in the path of opportunity as much as you can. Whoever you meet, you have to stay on them and say and, and keep in touch and let them know what you're doing. And, you know, eventually that you'll find, oh, OK, here's an opportunity for me to show what I got. Here's an opportunity to step up. And uh, I think if you are to do that, you would find success. And the, the, the right attitude, by the way, and I'm sure Gary can speak to this, too. The right attitude is more than half of the uh, of the game. You've got if you're you're going to be asked to do scut work at the beginning and it's not going to be great. And you just got to be positive about it. We're all trying to work towards the same goal. If you can do that, I think you'll 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 have a shot. So, you know, we've had hundreds of interns at Triple Threat. It's it's part of our DNA. And, um, you know, um, we we have five right now uh, in quarantine working remotely. And, you know, um, I'm kind of a teacher, so it's built into the company. And um, absolutely, Derek, what you said about, you know, sort of the right attitude is so much of it. So, you know, the, the fundamental building blocks of a professional career are, do, you know, do you play well with others? This is a collaborative medium. You know, are you comfortable serving whatever for the collective good? And that might be sweeping the floors. It might be transcribing interviews. It might be, you know, all kinds of, you know, otherwise, you know, unappealing work that's part of your professional journey to serve into the collective. Um, you know, and then on top of that, the question is, do you have any skills that translate to the professional workplace? You know, are you a familiar editor? Do you work in Premiere or Avid? Are you comfortable around cameras? Are you, do you have any design skills? You know, there, can you write? Can you cold call people for research and, and uh, you know, find out whether or not, you know, uh, what, you know, in our, these are the things that our interns do. And, you know, and you only get a couple chances. And it's like, if I, if I give you a couple of phone numbers and you call and you come back with no, nothing useful from, you know, the research calls, I'm not going to give you another research assignment, you know, then I'll, I'll say, okay, why don't you transcribe these interviews and see if this works? Um, so in essence, you know, um, every intern is different. Every, you know, prospective employee is different. And you reveal your skill sets in the environment. And if you, you know, if you're paying attention and you know how to adapt to the environment, you make mistakes and then you correct them and you become more employable. And that's what any employer is looking for. And so an intern, you know, uh, if you've done, you know, two internships before you've come to me, I know that you're going to probably have, you know, some ability to, you know, understand what's asked for better than somebody who hasn't had that. Um, and, you know, and, you know, um, that's the price of entry. That's the cost of doing business in this particular way. Until you make yourself indispensable, you are totally dispensable. And I always say to interns, I don't need you pointing at an individual. I need you pointing at the collective group. Somebody out of the five of you, for example, needs to step up and work at a professional level and will get a paid job out of this. But it, it, I couldn't care less if it's number one, two, three, four, or five. I just want the person who can do the job well. And I don't want to spend time and energy trying to figure out who that is. 
So the guy that says, I'll stay late and do it, gets my attention. Yeah, see, I would say that that is funny. If if the gauntlet was thrown, like Gary just put it, I was certainly the kind of person who was not going home if the job wasn't done. So I would say, I, I used to say, look, in, if I had three assistants and I said, I need this task done, the first assistant would say, well, I tried and I couldn't really find it. And then the second assistant would say, you know, uh, I had some ideas, but, you know, it, it turned into, it was eight o'clock and I had to go home. And the third assistant did the task. And that third assistant is the one who I will continue to rely on down the road. And I think the other thing is, what's interesting is there's a, there is another part and it is the ability to, for the assistant to look at who you're working with and to continue to stay in touch. It, it, I, I can't stress that enough, that contacts and staying in touch with people in this industry is, is a big part of the puzzle. So these are a lot of great things you guys are talking about. I mean, if I had to distill it into three sort of uh, ideas, I would say relationships, attitude, and work ethic, and how those things play out, getting internships, nailing internships, and then getting a career. Um, we have to wrap up. I know we got a lot to talk about, but unfortunately, we do have to wrap up this conversation. I do want to give you guys just a quick chance to give any sort of shout outs or for opportunities either to intern or to work for you guys. If, if there's any sort of links that you want to provide our listeners, uh, Gary, go ahead. What do you have to offer? The company is called Triple Threat TV. Uh, you can find us on the web at triplethreattv.com. Um, and we are always, uh, you know, open to conversations about upcoming internships. Um, reach me at Gary at Triple Threat TV, G-A-R-Y at Triple Threat TV dot com. Uh, hope to hear from lots of people. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. And Derek, what about you? Any assistance from the pool of talent circulating around Connecticut? I'm not really always in that position, but I would like to say that, you know, if you're out there and you work hard and you get to a position where I, you know, where you, you ever mentioned, hey, I heard you on this podcast, that would get certainly get my attention. And I'd, I'd encourage anybody to be in touch with me uh, who had questions about uh, what I do. It's easy. My email is easy. It's just DTA at msn.com. All right. Awesome. Well, Derek Ambrosi and Gary Cohen, thanks so much for joining us on Select CT. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. On our last episode of Select CT of the season, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, how to build a digital media company. We'll be speaking with David Salinas and Peter Senna, so please join us. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks for listening. Select CT.